Have you been to the grocery store in the last year and seen a store employee rushing around looking at a list and filling a basket? They even have vests now. Oh, telling you what they are? shopper, yeah. Oh, wow. That's e-commerce in a brick-and-mortar retail store. I'm Jan Gibbons. And I'm Bob Gibbons. And this week on the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast, we will be delving into e-commerce during COVID and beyond. (laughs) Okay. First thing, what is e-commerce? You know, that's a good question. Most people think they know what it is, but they never really stop to define it. I think it's really nothing more than ordering something on the Internet and having it delivered to your home office or wherever. Okay, so my example in the intro of the grocery store employee filling a basket for someone who ordered online. What is that? Is that e-commerce or is that brick and mortar? It's a hybrid, right? I mean, while the ordering was done online, the fulfillment's being done from a brick-and-mortar store, and the groceries may be picked up by the customer themselves in the parking lot, or it may be delivered to their home. So which is it? Both in my book. But it has definitely changed retail and provided another option for how to, how to shop. You know, I'm going to go through some history here, and then, you know, I'm no historian, but 120 years ago, most people grew their own food. Because most people didn't live in cities, right? They lived on farms. It was an agrarian um, economy. They could buy things through catalogs, which had limited delivery available. They could order by mail or by phone if there was a phone available. They could go to a store the next time they were in the nearest town, but that store also had limited inventory and, and selection. Well, then the Industrial Revolution came along, and people started moving to the cities for jobs, and more people started buying from stores, Catalogs were still available, of course, uh, and Walmart comes in in, in the mid-20th uh, century, I guess it was, and their big innovation was their distribution system. Uh, they went to towns, both large and small, with stores that were much larger than what people had been used to prior to that, and, uh, and they had far greater selection. So that's why they were so successful. Then the digital re- revolution comes along, and it creates a new way to order. People can now uh, still pick up their item from a brick-and-mortar store. But they can also have it delivered to their home or office. So what's fundamentally different in that scenario from the catalog of 1892? The mechanism, maybe, to order the products and the speed of the delivery? Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and that's the part that's the real story of e-commerce over the last 10 to 15 years. But mostly the last year. That's true. I... I I used to be your best friend, but I've been replaced by a guy named Jeff Bezos to you. Yep. Me and Jeff, we got a thing going on. Sad. Yes. Amazon likes to come and see me basically on the daily. Well, the e-commerce, you, you said mostly the last year, and that's that's really true because I looked at the history of e-commerce, uh, and I looked at a, there's a website called Statista, which is kind of a funny name, but Statista.com has stats of all kinds, and they showed that the e-commerce is a percentage of total retail sales in 2010, I'm sorry, in, in 2010 was only about 4%. 
And that had risen dramatically, almost triple, by the first quarter of 2020, just before COVID hit. So going from 4% to 11% in 10 years, basically. And during COVID, in Q3 of COVID, Q3 2020, it had gone up by 5% to 16% in two quarters. That's unbelievable. I mean, it takes 10 years to go up by seven seven points, and then it goes up five points in two quarters. But it's interesting, that has fallen back to 13% by the first quarter of 21, as, you know, brick and mortar retail, retail stores started opening back up. And, uh, and so it's been interesting to see how they've kind of con- gone up and down over time. Yeah, and following that up, I read an article from SIOR.com, which told a story that was kind of fascinating to me. It was You've heard it before, but the putting the concept together is what I thought was novel. There was a guy in a grocery store, and much like my earlier comment, he noticed all the home delivery workers gathering grocery orders and thought, this is basically what e-commerce is coming to. He had a vision of the future with grocery stores taking over former department stores. Everything inside will be available to order by computer. Then the items will be electronically registered through automation, placed in a delivery box, loaded onto electric vehicles, and delivered to a drop box at the home. The billing would be electronic as well. Well, The guy went on with his futuristic vision thinking if a military officer sitting at a desk in the U.S. flying a drone somewhere else in the world can shoot missiles. His vision, including electric delivery trucks, is really easy to believe. Warehouses and distribution centers will be the initial point of departure for those commodities that will all eventually be ordered, assembled, and shipped via automation. I mean, I loved the correlation of drones in battle with e-commerce food <laughs> delivery. Yeah, it's, it's a battle <laughs> out there can, all right. If you can shoot an apple pie into my mouth, I'm signing <laughs> up all day long. That's one reason I never wanted to be in retail. It is, it's a bloody sport. You know, I'd say that vision is really already, already a reality. Uh, Walmart's already converting stores to fulfillment centers right here in Dallas. I think about the Amazon Go stores with no cashiers. You walk in, get what you want, and walk out. You'll be billed. And and that was long before COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So with the growth of e-commerce, I think the most important piece is what's called the last mile. So getting your products from a giant distribution warehouse to the house or office of the consumer. You know, the logistics of making that happen and the speed that is now expected for delivery is really where all the action is. Um, You know, there are five major distribution hubs in the U.S., There's the New York, New Jersey, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, and Atlanta. So those five major markets are all proximate to like uh, seaports, major airports, intermodal sites, major highway systems. And with those places, I I think those places are always going to continue to be major distribution hubs and only grow. But the last mile issue requires that there'll there'll be changes in every city in the country and probably the world. And I had a a little bit of a um, understanding of this over the weekend. You and I were down in Austin, Texas, and we had forgotten something that we wanted to order. And so I sat there and tried to order it from Amazon and have it (laughs) delivered the next morning, the next day. And I couldn't get it. Now I tried it. They were more than willing to ship it to my house in Plano the next day but in Austin, I couldn't get it the next day. 
and I was going to have it shipped to the to the warehouse to the uh, hotel where we were staying, and they were happy to do that, but they just didn't have the logistics, the distribution system down there, to at least not for that one item, to get it to us there in time. So, you know, there's going to have to be a lot more warehouses built uh, at a minimum, and I think there will always be differences in the availability of product and the deliverability time of products depending on where you are in the different cities around the country. Now, I was shocked to read that the DFW area has been delivering between 25 and 30 million square feet of warehouse space every year for the last 10 years. I know, right? And we're still behind. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and, and the demand. You know, we did, a sh- we did a, an episode a few months ago where we talked about that in a lot more detail and, and we quoted some stats that I'm, I'm going to make up here right now because I'm not remembering exactly, but it was basically for every $125 million increase in, um, oh, yeah. in e-commerce sales, it's going to require another like million square feet of, of warehouse space or something like that. And uh, it, that, that was pretty amazing to me. So when you start talking about 5% increase in um, the percentage of sales, going to e-commerce of overall retail, what does that translate into in terms of numbers of square feet of buildings? That's pretty amazing. The other thing I think is interesting is when you start looking at that and say, what are those tenants demanding in their warehouse buildings? You know, it used to be that the average clear height of a new construction building 20 years ago was 28 feet. Well, guess what? Buildings are going vertical the average of the new buildings now that these these tenants are wanting is 40 foot clear and that way tenants can stack and rack more product because there are now more cubic square feet in the building but guess what they get to still pay the rent based on the square foot brilliant of the floor brilliant yeah it is well that comes with certain challenges though the cost of a taller building is higher to build. So, of course, that then means higher rents, right? But the cost per cubic square foot is now lower, so it still makes a lot of sense for them yeah. to do that. But you're going to have to have heavy-duty equipment. I mean, a, a forklift that'll go 40 feet. Well, not just 40 scary. feet, but be stable going up that high. You know. Can I mention what it would cost to insure that in a liability <laughs> oh, no. exposure? We have? Sorry, sorry, a blip that, from the past. That was <laughs> not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, more stable forklifts that go up that high had to be developed before that really was logistically possible. Um, You know, the greater inventory means that there's more trucks on the street, more parking needed, so they need now more space outside the building for all those trucks to be parked. Uh, Some of these buildings are going to have, and already have, a 24-hour operation. So beefed-up lighting and security must be provided. There's a lot of technology that has to be developed to allow us to get to this point, right? So e-commerce couldn't have happened unless computers got into everybody's hands or on the smartphones that they're holding in their hands. And internet speeds had to be fast enough to make it worthwhile to go through the brain damage of ordering online. I mean, can you imagine in 1999 with how slow working on the internet was at that time? It would have been faster to just go down to the store and shop in person than to wait for those (laughs) glacial internet speeds to get you to the, you know, all the pages you have to have to order what you want. I've heard it said that if you read nonstop, you'd still be behind as fast as technology is advancing. Just think of where all this is going to be in 20 years. You know, I should still be around to see that, so I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. At Riata Commercial Realty, we exclusively serve companies that lease or purchase office and warehouse space. We never represent landlords. Find us at TexasTenantRep.com or give us a call at 972-677-0028. Hey, thanks for your support of this podcast. Uh, Hopefully you're getting good information on how to negotiate better leases. That's what we're all about. Tell your friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.